Good morning, Living Hope family. Miss being there with you all this morning. I'm down in Bryant, Arkansas, just outside of Little Rock today, sharing at Indian Springs Baptist Church. On Friday and Saturday, I was at their youth winter retreat, uh, teaching the Bible there. And this morning, they've asked me to come and teach during their two morning services and uh, to share God's word and to also tell the story of our church and talk about church planting. And so first off, I'd ask, uh, if you think about me over this next hour or two, would you pray for me real quick um, and just ask, uh, man, I want to make much of Jesus. And it's always a privilege to teach the Bible. Well, this morning, we have the honor of hearing God's word from one of my best friends, John Drown. Um, I met John about seven or eight years ago, I think. We were on a mission trip together in Cleveland, Ohio. And one evening on that mission trip, I had asked John to share a brief devotional with our group. And after he got done sharing, I told my wife shortly after, God's got something for that young man. He's got a calling on his life um, that I'm, I'm not sure what it looks like yet, uh, but God's going to do something special with him. And about a year ago, John joined our team as one of our pastoral interns. And so over this last year, myself and Pastor Joe, we spent a lot of time with him, having tons of discussions, studying the Bible together, serving people across the community. And one thing that we know for sure as John is discerning his calling is that John is definitely called to preach the Bible. And so I asked John this morning to come and to close out our Galatians series. You probably remember a good chunk of 2021, we walked verse by verse through the book of Galatians in our series we called God Space. And so John is going to be closing out chapter 6 for us this morning as we end the book of Galatians. Uh, church family, I'd ask three things from you today. First off is this, when John asks you in just a moment to open up to Galatians 6, if you have a hard copy of the scriptures, open it up. If you have it on your phone, turn it on. Whatever that looks like for you. Follow along today. Um, I've heard this message a couple of times as John has been preparing the past couple months. And then this message has encouraged me. It's equipped me. Um, it's helped me so much. And I hope and I'm praying that it does the same thing for you. Here's the second thing I'd ask for from you. Encourage him like crazy. Um, after John preaches this morning, this is his first sermon ever. After he preaches this morning, he's going to be standing by our exit with Pastor Joe. I want you to encourage him. Let him know um, what God taught you. Give him a high five, shake his hand, give him a hug, whatever it takes. Encourage this young man. Two weeks ago when Seth preached his very first sermon, you all did that. And I'd ask that you do the very same thing. And here's the last thing that I would, I would just want to say this to you. Um, thank you. Thank you for being the kind of church that allows us to raise up the next generation of Bible teachers. I shared a couple weeks ago when Seth taught that it's the responsibility of the local church to raise up Bible teachers. And so I thank you for allowing us to do these kind of things, to, to give these young men chances and opportunity to teach the Bible. It takes a, a long time to develop preachers, but I'm so thankful for a church like ours that is willing to give these guys a shot, is willing to encourage them, and is willing to learn from the Word of God together. And so, John, this one's for you, buddy. I love you. I'm proud of you. I'm thankful to call you my friend. And I'm looking forward, uh, as I'm traveling home, to watching back the, the sermon video on YouTube. And uh, man, I'm so excited for you. I love you so much, man. I want to pray for John now, and as soon as I'm done, John's going to preach the word. Y'all, it's going to be good. Let me pray for you. 
God, thank you for our church. Thank you for the story that you've written through us so far. God, we believe with all of our hearts that we're living in the middle of a miracle. And we see that evidenced all the time. And one of those simple ways is, God, you've enabled us and allowed us to be a launch pad for the next generation of preachers. So, God, would you be with my friend this morning, John? God, would you calm any nerves that he may have? Would you allow him to speak with clarity? And for those that are on the other side of his message, whether that be via radio, YouTube, or in person, God, would you give them open ears to hear your word? Would you give them receptive hearts to receive your word? And would you give them willing hands and feet to live out whatever truths they encounter in Galatians 6 today? We love you so much, Jesus. It's in your name we pray these things. Amen. John, bring it, dude. Let's go. Church family, see you next Sunday. Man, I'd like to meet this John guy someday. Like, it sounds pretty good, but... Uh, so, if you couldn't tell, uh, my name is John Drown, and I'm one of the interns here at Living Hope Church Columbus. Uh, you've probably seen me around in some capacity. Usually, I'm at the front door greeting people as they come in, and I'm at the... Well, I guess it's not the back door, it's the other front door, as people are leaving. Um, so I just want to uh, thank you for the opportunity to just close out this series here in uh, Galatians. Um, and once again, thanks to Aaron and Joe for just all the help that they've been uh, in this. So once again, full disclosure, this is the first sermon I've ever preached. Um, I was supposed to preach this on January 2nd, uh, and I had this great one-liner, which I said, even though it was the first sermon I've preached, because it was January 2nd, It'd be the best one you heard all year. Um, and then everyone got COVID, and so we didn't have church this week, and I didn't get to preach it. And I'm still kind of bummed that I don't get to make that joke. Um, and I can't find a replacement for it. So please stand with me and open up your copy of God's Word to Galatians chapter 6, verses 6 through 10. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of the faith. Let's pray. Father God, thank you today as we are able to gather and worship you through this reading of your word and singing of praise. May your spirit dwell among us as I am humbled and honored to present the message from your throne to your people here today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we've been out of Galatians for a while. We're going to do a quick recap. Paul is writing to the Galatians because there's an influx of legalism in the church. Specifically, the Judaizers were coming and stating that in order to be truly saved, you had to follow the old Mosaic law. The specific point of contention they had was the practice of circumcision. Sidebar, if at this point you do not know what circumcision is, Pastor Joe would be happy to explain it to you after the service. Now, Paul has gone in his letter to condemn the Judaizers for preaching a false gospel, reprimand the churches in Galatia for following them, and remind the Galatians that they have been set free. Christ has fulfilled the law, as he said he would, and salvation is found in Christ alone. 
Halfway through chapter 5 and then wrapping up into 6, Paul sort of starts to change gears and give the churches in Galatia a path forward. He starts in 5.16, verse 5.16, by reminding them to walk by the Spirit, not the flesh, and then gives a brief example as to the difference between those two things, and also starts in chapter 6 by giving application of to the church of how to address it amongst one another by bearing one another's burdens communally, but still taking responsibility personally. So throughout this entire series we've done, and much of this series, we've looked into the past. Paul's testimony, his role in the church, his opposition to Peter, his history with the Galatians, and we've looked into the present. The issue currently confronting the Galatians, the false teaching and the division that's in the church, is of Galatia. However, this point in the letter is where Paul starts to try and get the Galatians to not only look forward, but to look inward. Let's look at verse 7 again. Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. So, first takeaway from this passage. You cannot fool God. This is really a deeper theological truth that's critically important for us to understand about what God knows and values about us as his creation. Here's some other examples throughout the scripture you may be familiar with. In 1 Samuel, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. 1 Peter 3, Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and putting on of gold jewelry, or the clothing you wear. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. And then also, finally, in Mark chapter 12, and Jesus sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people came and put in large sums, and a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to them and said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. All of those passages have very specific and unique contexts and are about and addressed to different people, but they share a common theme. You can fool everyone around you, but you can't fool him. And in some ways, that's probably terrifying. Most of us have probably been in a situation where it was revealed that someone wasn't who we thought they were, And some of us have probably been in a situation where that was us. Integrity in our day and age is a very lost art form. Everywhere we turn in our culture, we see insincerity. And the only time we do seem to find authenticity in our culture is when we see something so irredeemably evil, it doesn't bother to hide. God is not interested in an outward expression of righteousness. He's concerned with your inward commitment to righteousness. I'm going to repeat that. God is not interested in an outward expression of righteousness. He's concerned with your inward commitment to righteousness. Here's another passage uh, from Matthew chapter 6. 
Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father, who is in secret, will reward you. There's a second theological principle that goes along with our first, and that's our second takeaway. Paul hits on it in the second half of verse 7 and also in verse 8. You reap what you sow. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Reaping what you sow is a universal principle. It's a truism that's cross-dimensional, and it's found all throughout Scripture. It is both literal and metaphoric. It's a truth that we might describe as self-evident. We can actually see tangible results of this principle applied that are nearly impossible to deny. However, when we look at the specific context that Paul is speaking to us, we can better understand its application. So, in verses 12 through 14, Galatians chapter 6, it is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised, and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. The Judaizers had already received their reward. They garnered the acceptance of the community that was around them through their outward righteousness. And that prevented them from being persecuted like the Gentile believers were being persecuted. Paul is echoing Christ's words in Matthew because they're speaking about the same thing. Reaping and sowing is not just about actions taken, it's about intention as well. When I was in the police academy, we had to learn a lot about um, different laws. And in U.S. criminal law, there's two important factors that need to be there for a crime to occur. One is actus rea. That's the act that has occurred. The second is mens rea, and that is the mental state of the person at the time that the act is being committed. Example, if Joe runs somebody over with his truck, and it's on video, and we see that it's Joe driving his truck, hitting a pedestrian, there's lots of different charges that can actually be brought up against him. However, those charges are dependent on his mens rea, his mental state at the time. Was this a freak accident? Was he negligent in some manner and not paying attention? Or did he do this intentionally? That actually has an effect on the crime and the punishment that he's charged with. The entire theme of Galatians is about confronting legalism. And this verse is no different. Paul is making a very clear distinction to the Galatians and subsequently to us that they can choose to continue down the path of legalism with the Judaizers, but that their reward has already come and that they are continue, going to continue to reap division, destruction, and works of the flesh. Or they can sow to the Spirit. Galatians 5, 5 through 6, for through the Spirit, by faith, we eagerly wait for hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. We're saved by grace through faith. 
We know that. But there's something I want us to keep in mind when we're talking about faith. James 2.26. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. I'm going to say it again. God is not interested in an outward expression of righteousness. He's interested and concerned with your inward commitment to righteousness. However, your works are the evidence to others around you of the faith that God sees in you. Every year, we make New Year's resolutions. And what do we always resolve? Get in better shape. And how many of us do it? Not many. Why is that? We all know that it's better to be in better shape. It's not a value judgment. However, those of us who actually are convicted of and have the discipline to do it are the ones that we would say they've resolved something there. As many of you know, I've had the privilege of serving in the U.S. military. And by being in the military, there are certain things you're disciplined in. Staying in shape is one of them. Uh, wearing your uniform correctly, being qualified on your weapon, addressing people in a certain manner, um, following orders, etc., etc. I could give you a uniform, I could teach you how to use a weapon, and how to do things the way we do in the Army, and it would probably take me about eight hours a day for a month. However, that doesn't make you a soldier. The difference between me and that scenario is that I have a commitment with legally and morally to the Army. And not only did I sign a contract, which I have to uphold, but I also stood and bore witness and swore an oath to my country. Aaron was actually there that day. But if I claim that title of being a soldier, as a result, you expect to see those military disciplines in some form and fashion. In Romans 12, Paul goes on about the marks of a true Christian. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink, for by doing so you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. While ultimately salvation and the question of whether you are saved um, is something that only God truly knows, spiritual disciplines are fundamental to providing credibility to that. If you claim Christ as your Savior, your behavior, both private and public, both reflex and affects your personal walk with him, as well as reflecting on and having an effect on the community of believers that you're a part of. We learn in the first part of chapter 6, 
It may be your individual responsibility to deal with that, but it is also the corporate responsibility of the church to come alongside you and help you. And if you're a believer, you also have a responsibility to the local church as well. Galatians 6.6 6 and 6.10. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are household of the faith. Third takeaway, the people of this church, the universal church, and the local body of believers should matter to you. From a secular perspective, the church may be a voluntary organization, but from a biblical perspective, your participation is not optional. I spent the better part of my Christian life not caring about the people who were around me on Sunday morning. When I was at Living Hope Marysville, I intentionally sat on the front right side, um, right next to the speakers, so no one would sit next to me. I would avoid greeting people when we did that. Thankfully, we don't do that here. Um, and uh, I would also, even when I was serving in the back, I didn't bother to learn kids' names or anything like that. It was really just kind of a ploy that people could see, well, he serves, so we're not going to ask too many questions. But I didn't have to actually get to know the community and be a part of the community that I was there. It's just not something that's in my comfort zone. And one of the things that Aaron straight up told me and that I've continually learned uh, throughout this is the biggest hurdle in pursuing pastoral ministry for me is going to be a lot of the times it's relational. So when I started this internship, um, I started handing out bulletins and welcoming you guys as you came through the front door and saying goodbye as you left. And the reason I did that was because I wanted to be in a position where I made myself accessible to the people of my church. Not because I have some special role or um, anything like that, like I want to be noticed. Like, trust me, I don't. I didn't tell my best friend of like 12 years till like two months ago that like I was interning here. Nobody, almost nobody outside of this room knows. But despite my preferences to maintain uh, my own privacy, uh, I intentionally have made efforts to try and get to know different people, if nothing else, be someone that you recognize. In 1 Corinthians 12, 12, for just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. 26 through 27, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. We're on the same team. We celebrate each other's victories. We mourn each other's defeats. We're not supposed to be in the business of tearing each other down. We may have different roles and different responsibilities, but ultimately, the purpose of this church is the glorification of God through discipleship, ministry, and proclamation of the gospel. If you're not on board with that, doors on your left. Listen, that doesn't mean we have to like each other all the time. Okay, so I'm going to just go through the staff members. Aaron, he is impossible to hang out with unless it is in silence and at the gym, and his taste in the movie sucks. Okay, it just does. It does. Uh, Joe. Joe, I'm pretty sure, thinks that on the eighth day, God created the F-150, um, because that's how the way he talks about his truck. Um, Scott, 
uh, won't stop talking to me about Broadway plays. I've told him multiple times, I don't care for Broadway. I'm not going to a Broadway show with you. And I'm not going to go to a Broadway show with another guy in the first place. Um, Megan, still, to this day, can't tell. Are you laughing at what I said? Are you laughing at me? Are you laughing because you're Megan and that's just what you do? She, I can probably hear her from the back laughing now. Um, it's probably like all three. And uh, Jenny Kibbe, I can't say a bad thing about Jenny Kibbe. Um, she's one of the most dedicated um, volunteers. She works tirelessly both with the Finding Hope Center and in children's ministry. And if you have, if you see her around the day and you have the opportunity, you should thank her. But despite the fact that we're different, and being able to serve alongside, and trust me, they all have the same complaint about me, and that's that I just won't shut up. Um, despite the fact that uh, we're different and being able to serve alongside them has been the greatest privilege of my life, um, every single one of them loves Jesus a lot more than I do, and I'm hoping one day I can actually catch up with them. And listen, it's not easy to be the church whether it's personal spiritual disciplines or corporate ministry, trying to live like Christ doesn't come without a cost. And I've had my fair share of days throughout this internship where secretly I've asked, you know, is all this really worth it? Are all the hours that I find in this worth it? Verse 9 of our passage. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Listen, Aaron and Joe didn't let me up on this stage just because I'm tall, handsome, and charming, all right? Uh, if that's all it took, like, there's probably some better candidates um, uh, that we could find. Largely, the reason I'm up on this stage is because other people have continued to invest in me and do good. Like Aaron said in his video, uh, we met about eight years ago, and I made it very clear that I did not like him. I didn't want anything to do with him. I didn't want him around. And if you had told him that I was going to be up on this stage preaching this morning, and more that we were going to be incredibly close friends, he probably would have thought you were crazy. But despite me making it as difficult as I possibly could for him at times, uh, he continued to take the opportunity to pray for me, to pour into my life, to meet with me, and even allow me to be a part of Living Hope Church Columbus when I, frankly, didn't deserve it. And he told that story about that mission trip uh, we went on, and I want to read you the passage that I gave in that devotional. 2 Corinthians four sixteen through 18. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. The seeds we sow on earth are not reaped in this life, but in eternity. 
the work you put in volunteering, your generosity, your prayers, the compassion you show to one another, the humility you show, your hospitality, your faithfulness in showing up on Sunday morning, you're not going to reap the whole benefit of that in this life. Sure, you'll see some of it. Just like when you plant an apple tree, within the first year it's going to sprout. But it's going to take about eight years for that apple tree to actually be fully grown and start bearing fruit. The work we do at the Finding Hope Center, we don't reap the entirety of that reward here on earth. We reap the entirety of that reward 10,000 years from now when there are people who are going to say, they came through the Finding Hope Center and they found hope in Jesus Christ. And even if it's only one, I'm willing to put in the work to get that one. I know the world is crazy and scary right now. I've uh, been thinking the past couple weeks of whether I'm going to have to get shipped off to go to Ukraine. Um, I know that many of you are probably going through some deeply personal trials, and I know that especially over the past two or three years, we've seen our lives turned upside down and back over again in multiple different ways. That's why our final takeaway is this. Don't give up. John 16, 33. I, Jesus, have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. You don't need to worry about the outcome. We already know the good guys win in the end. Continue to worship the Lord and continue to pursue becoming more like Jesus. Don't become legalistic and only focus on going through the motions or doing this a certain way all the time. But don't slack off on doing the good work that we are doing. As the praise team comes up and as I close, I just want to say I've spent the past year interning here, and I can honestly say it is the most life-changing experience I've ever had. It's not easy. Um, nothing worthwhile ever is. And before I close in prayer, I would just like to thank all of you for being a church that I feel honored and to serve and be a part of. Father, thank you for your word and for these people who you've placed in my life. May we grow closer together as we continue to do good for your glory and share the good news that is found in the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.